This is Germ Warfare, the battle of ideas. My name is Germ, this is Germ Warfare, the battle of ideas. I think I'm going to say this wrong. Bart Sibrel was a Bart Sibrel. I say Sibrel, but my, my dad uh, grew up saying Sibrel, and then when I did the French genealogical study, it said Sibrel. So. Uh, okay, so I'll, I'll say Sibrel, so it sounds more fancy. Okay. <laughs> Welcome. Uh, thank you for joining me in the trenches. How is the information war treating you, Bart? Well, I mean, fortunately, the CIA and people like that, they generally don't go after the revealers of the information, they go after the leakers of the information, like Julian Assange and the guy from the Democratic Party during the last election who was leaking things out. Uh, so, and even my source that the book Moon Man reveals at sabrell.com, the deathbed confession of someone who was there when they filmed Apollo 11 a year in advance, they went after him and his family uh, because they were giving the information to me. So. Generally, they don't go after people who receive it and pass it on, but they, their procedures to go after the people who leaked it. It is interesting, though, because anybody who's called a denier or a conspiracy theorist, in my view, tends to be the person who needs to actually be listened to. Well, and my first chapter in the book Moon Man, which is at sabrell.com, S-I-B-R-E-L.com, uh, is what is a conspiracy? And basically, you have to realize that half of all crimes are conspiracies. Half are done in the heat of the moment where someone just in anger or drunkenness kills somebody or steals something compulsively. And then the other half are plotted out in advance. I mean, people just don't go, hey, after coffee, you want to rob a bank? No, I think they plot it out in advance, as do all people who commit crimes. And any time you plot a crime in advance, it's called a conspiracy. The word appears numerous times in the Bible. They say uh, the advisors of the king were conspiring to kill him. So there it is. That's the way the world works. Crimes that are plotted in advance are conspiracies. So basically, uh, the Bible says if you were of the world, they would love you. So when you're persecuted for saying something, that uh, increases the likelihood greatly that what you're saying is truthful. I must be honest. I did not... Uh, question the official moon story, the moon landing story, until probably this uh, this a lot during during this fake pandemic, um, and that was when my eyes started opening to a bunch of things. And then, of course, I discovered your work. And I suppose let's start with a funny thing happened on the way to the moon. And my question is, what is that funny thing? Well, there was a famous. Um uh, I guess, play that became a film, a funny thing happened on the way to the forum. Mm -hmm. So I thought, actually, it was Bill Casing's idea, who was an employee of NASA through Rocketdyne for six years, who knew they was fake from classified memos. Uh, he, I think he had a book that was going to be one of his book titles. He didn't name it that, but I said, oh, that's great. So that's why we have the name of the film, A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Moon, which is kind of a unique way of introducing the topic and yeah jeremy i get emails all the time from people who just saw uh, a funny thing happened on the way to the moon that's been out 20 years mm. and in that we reveal never before seeing classified footage of fake photography of them faking part of the moon mission right in front of your eyes and so moon man 
uh, is kind of an interactive book. There are 15 links. So as you start reading the book, it says stop, go to Sibrel, S-I-B-R-E-L.com, and click on video link one so that you'll know what I'm about to talk about in the chapter. And there's 15 of them, including links of NASA, one of their employees admitting that the technology to survive the radiation required to leave Earth orbit, that that technology has yet to be invented. So how did the Apollo astronauts leave Earth orbit? And we find out that von Braun admitted uh, in the uh, early 60s that in order to go to the moon in one rocket, it would have to weigh 800,000 tons. When the Saturn V only weighed 2,500 tons, a difference of 30,000 percent. So throughout the um, book, it says stop and look at all these links that basically support everything that I'm saying. And really, everything in the book is not my opinion. It's the opinion of qualified sources who work for NASA, who knew they were fake. In fact, my films were financed by a board member of an aerospace company who builds rockets for NASA, who knows they're fake. And so, and then, you know, I was doing the film under the theory it might be true. And then lo and behold, halfway through the seven-year multi-million dollar project, I pop in a tape that says, do not show to the public. And they're faking part of the photography right in front of your eyes with the third channel of the CIA telling them how to do it in the proper way. And then after that film comes out, and right as I'm editing the book Moon Man, which has just come out, I stumble upon someone who was there when they filmed it. And you have to get the book, but I reveal the actual name of the military base here in the United States where Apollo 11 was filmed a year in advance. The date it was filmed the CIA code name for the project, and a list of 15 people who were allowed in as VIP observers, all of which was given to me by the MP, Chief of Security, at that military base upon his deathbed. All this information has been confirmed through relatives, through other uh, information. In fact, one of these people on this list who I'd never heard of in some other book that they wrote said, oh, by the way, I was at that military base on those dates uh, you know, for some classified reason. I didn't know that, but somebody watching an interview pointed that out to me, and that's pretty interesting. And even the military base's website used to boast that President Johnson visited us on this day, and then when the investigated investigation started into that, they scrubbed that from the website. So there's a lot of great new information in the book, and yeah, people, I think I did an interview a week or so ago for with someone who has an alternative media podcast, and they said for many years they were on the fence, wondering, not sure. And then halfway through the book, they're like, you know, they didn't go. And it's pretty simple. I mean, you could actually prove it from logic, Jeremy, deductive logic, uh, that they didn't go to the moon. Because uh, what they're claiming is that today, with 50 years better technology than in 1969, the farthest that they can send NASA, an astronaut from the Earth, is only 250 miles. So just pick a city 250 miles away from you, turn that distance vertical, and that's as far as they can go. So the moon is a thousand times farther than that. So what they're really saying is that with five decades older technology, before cell phones, before microwave ovens, when all of NASA combined had one millionth of computing power of a cell phone, they went a thousand times farther then they can go today. Now, if you can point out to me any time in the entire history of the world where a technological breakthrough like first flight or the splitting of the atom, that 50 years later, 
not only could no nation on earth, you know, do it, that when it should be a hundred times greater. Mm-hmm. I mean, when they flew across the Atlantic in 1927, it was 10 years later, there were hundreds of aircraft, you know, a hundred times more complicated flying across the Atlantic every year. And when they blew up the first atomic bomb in 1945, 10 years later, it was 1,000 times more powerful. So they really should have been, if they could go to the moon with one minute, the computing power of a cell phone in 1969, mm. they would have been on Mars 10 years later and they'd be in another solar system by now and there'd be bases all over the moon. So it's the only time in world history that technology has gone backwards. And if it weren't for people's sure. emotional attachment to the event, they would see that clearly. And then you can prove it from one simple photograph. I mean, if you want me to share my screen, I can. I can, you know, just uh, show you this right here. Um, let's see if it works. I haven't tried this before. There you go. <laughs> hold, hold on. I can't so, see any. Wait, 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 wait. Uh, there. All right. Okay. So here's a picture that I took in sunlight, uh, which is what they claim to have photographed the moon landing pictures. And after all, with no atmosphere, it's actually 20 times brighter on the moon than on Earth at noon. So you don't need any supplemental lighting. Here are two telephone poles about five feet apart from one another. And because the sun is 93 million miles away and one million times bigger in volume than the Earth, it's going to cast shadows in the same direction over an entire continent mm-hmm. and over the entire moon. And you'll see they run parallel. It's impossible for sunlit shadows to intersect. Here's a picture from the last mission to the moon, uh, which means they you know, always faked it and never went that this is an astronaut shadow going at 12 o'clock and a shadow from this rock only five feet away is going at nine o'clock. Now that's a 90 degree intersection from objects five feet apart when they should be parallel like over here. You can prove the moon landing fraud by this one picture and that's really all that you need to prove it. And uh, then you have to think about Elon Musk. You know, Elon Musk mm. uh, tried to land a, rod- a rocket vertically. Right, which is what they claim to have done on the moon six times the very first time they tried with 50-year-older equipment. Well, with five decades better equipment, the first time Elon Musk tried to land a rocket vertically with you know one million times the computing power, six different computers on each of the six sides of the rocket controlling a different engine to keep that thing level, the first time he tried, again, 50 years later, it blew up. The second time he tried, it blew up. The third time he tried, it blew up. The fourth time he tried, it blew up. The fifth time he tried, it blew up. So why would it take, with five decades better technology, six tries to land a rocket vertically if they could do it the first time with one millionth computing power? That doesn't make any sense. And so there's all this proof, plus the video footage we uncovered, a fake photography right in front of your eyes, and a deathbed confession from someone who was there. What more proof do people need? And so the book Moon Man just kind of outlines that step by step with these interactive video links that are at sabrell.com that you can watch without even buying the book uh, and see for yourself that we didn't go. The book is available in print and Kindle and audio. I actually read the book myself as the author. And it's and it's basically divided into three sections. The first section is the how and why uh, they faked the moon landings. The second section is kind of my behind-the-scenes espionage adventures that I've never talked about before because it was already a hard thing to believe they faked the moon landing. So I didn't mention the fact that when I found the classified footage, I was kidnapped and drugged by the CIA. 
I escaped. I peed in a cup. I gave it to a friend to take to a lab in their name, not mine. When I followed up to prove, I said, I got him. You know, I'm going to prove, Jeremy, I, I was drugged by this exotic CA drug with, you know, an analysis in a lab. And I find out, my friend tells me there was a problem. I said, what problem? He says, well, there was a break-in at the lab over the weekend. And I'm like, and? He says, well, strange thing. The only thing stolen was your urine sample. <laughs> what a coincidence. So, nevertheless, they didn't go. And people just have this emotional attachment about it. And even though other frauds that the government have committed killed more people, I mean... Just the Kennedy witness, you know, Kennedy assassination witness witness list. I think there's like 200 people on it or something really high like that. And then, of course, 9-11 killed 3,000 people. That 3,000 architects and engineers, you know, sign a petition risking their lifelong reputation saying it's impossible for a pinhole airplane to cause a steel frame grid structure to collapse. It'd be like throwing a pencil through a screen door. So you have that. And uh, it just, even though it killed the fewest number of people to fake the moon landing, it's the one that if the truth came out, I believe, would shock the public the most. Mm -hmm. Because it's so tied into their emotions. They waved their flag. They prayed for them. They held ticker tape parades for them and gave them congressional medals of honor. We're lying. Our national heroes are liars. They printed coins. Mm. They printed stamps. They put it in the encyclopedia. They still claim to this day in their museums that the moon landing equipment landed on the moon, even though they you know, destroyed it and all the blueprints to cover up the fraud, which you would never do if you really went. You wouldn't spend $200 billion to go to the moon and then destroy all the equipment. That's just the opposite of what you yeah. do. And, of course, you faked it then you would destroy it, which is what they did, which is actually proof that they faked it. It's such a big topic. So I'm trying to think, where, where does one start? You said they filmed it one year before the actual event. So let's start there, the filming and, uh, and, and the, the setup of the conspiracy. What was yeah, the, that, yeah, so what actually happened? Well, I think it was on May 25th, Kennedy set the goal to go to the moon 1961 before the end of the decade what had happened is the soviets on their very first time they put a man up it he orbited the earth uh, completely around six weeks or so later alan shepard went up and just went for a 15 minute flight from the east coast to the west that's all america could do they couldn't even orbit and kennedy's a visionary a politician not a scientist he said hey you know why don't we set a goal to go to the moon by the end of the decade well, that was about eight and a half years into the future. So they thought it's plenty of time, you know, to do it. When it proved to be an impossibility, they falsified it, just like a bluff in poker. You've got, you know, a bad hand and you act like you don't. And so they met the deadline and they faked it. And now they're kind of committed to that lie. And that's, that's where we're stuck today. And then the last third of the book is... Well, what does this mean? Well, it means that the people who run our country are criminals. And they're at large. They're running our country and most of the countries of the world. And this is just proof that that's the case. So don't you think something should be done about it when they take $200 billion of the taxpayers' money and deceive them? And then it gets even worse. 
my second to the last chapter of the book is called NASA's Greatest Fear. Because, again, what I relate in the book and now, it's not really my opinion. I'm collecting the opinions of the experts and passing them on. So there was a crew that was going to be the first crew to walk on the moon. They died in an alleged accident. That's because the commander of the mission, Gus Grissom, was a whistleblower. He kept complaining to his congressman and senator that this equipment to allegedly go to the moon in two years was a decade or more from going and that it was going to kill somebody if they tried. In fact, Von Braun, my source at NASA, said he personally read a memo from Von Braun saying the odds of going and not killing the crew in 1969 on the first attempt is one in 10,000 chance. So they hadn't, at 1967, when the crew that would have been the first crew to walk on the moon died, they hadn't informed the astronauts yet that they were going to fake it. They still had a couple of years to either admit the truth that they couldn't go or to fake it and hadn't decided yet. So when the commander of the crew that was going to be the first crew on the moon is so infuriated with NASA not fixing any equipment. In fact, one of his last words were, how can we go to the moon in two years when we can't make a wired intercom between two buildings work? And he even, without permission, in his frustration, held an impromptu press conference where he invited in the media, without permission, to take a photograph of a huge lemon he affixed to the top of the rocket, calling it a piece of crap lemon they knew they couldn't trust this guy to cooperate so they lured him into the spacecraft for just you know a, a practice without even rockets firing and that's where he and his two crew members burned alive so that it wouldn't make it look like he was being sing, uh, singled out after everyone know he was uh, protesting against it in fact he told his wife who i spoke to for about three hours uh that the day before he died, he came home and he said, you know, hon, for some strange reason, the CIA is all over the launch pad. What is the CIA doing here? The very next day he died. They have forensic evidence. His son, who's a 747 pilot, so I think he knows what he's talking about, says they have forensic evidence that that fire was set intentionally by the CIA. That's their conclusion, not mine. So they know for a fact that the crew that would have been the first crew to walk on the moon was murdered by the CIA. I know for a fact the moon missions are fake. Do you think those two events are related? Of course they're related. So it'd be one thing if they faked the moon landing, Jeremy, and nobody died. And it'd be like a counterfeit $100 bill or counterfeit Picasso. Mm. But when the public finds out that not only did they take $200 billion of their hard-earned money, after all, the government takes one-third of your labor to do what? To fake the moon landing and to kill people who are trying to expose it. Because the, sure. the money uh, that was used as our tax dollars was then used to hire CIA agents that killed our brethren, our fellow citizens who were trying to expose the crimes of the government. And then they had to you know, rig that spacecraft with explosives or wires or whatever, which were paid for by us to kill our brothers who are going to expose their crimes. Sorry, so which, that's which, the real sorry, reason. Sorry, Bart, which, which spacecraft are you, are you, we are referring to the Apollo, are you talking about the Apollo, yeah, the, the, the early Apollo, ones? It's called the Apollo 1 fire, which mm. happened on January 27th of 1967. The commander was the most beloved of all the astronauts, so the, the NASA knew this is going to be our guy. The press loves him, the public loves him, he's going to be our guy to be the first man to walk on the moon. Right. But he 
he, you know, was outspoken. He was a whistleblower, and he certainly wouldn't have cooperated with the fake moon landing. So they took care of that problem in advance. And when they finally asked Neil Armstrong to participate, I think he said no. Uh, then you threaten his life, but then that doesn't really matter a whole lot if you're flying equipment, pl planes that have never flown before. You're already putting your life in danger mm -hmm. every day. Uh, and then they probably threatened the life of his family and children. And they used the Apollo 1 fire as proof that they could eliminate them any way they wanted to. Now, years ago, Fox did a TV special. They were originally going to air my film, A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Moon, in 2001. And then at the last minute, their lawyer said, no, we can't do this. So they produced a special called Conspiracy Theory, Did We Land on the Moon? Mm. They hired me as a consultant. And basically, they dug up information I didn't know about, that of the 24 crews and backup crews of Apollo, including the Apollo 1 fire, seven astronauts had fatal accidents within a 24-month period of one another. Okay, so if there's 24 people working at a McDonald's and seven of them have fatal accidents within two years, don't you think the homicide detectives are going to be all over that place? So... It's really odd that this happened, and statistically, it's just impossible for there to be that many accidents among 24 people, and yet there were, and there's so much proof that they didn't go, and, you know, we have 25% of the American public believes that Oswald did not kill Kennedy. We have half the public believing that the towers, three of them, on 9-11 did not come down by airplanes, and yet... Even with 3,000 architects and engineers affirming that fact, nothing is done about it. There's not been a single case challenging the 9-11 narrative in 20 years. And then because Oliver Stone came out with the film you know, JFK, exposing again for a new generation the complete fraud in Kennedy's uh, alleged you know, murder, he was murdered by the CIA. It's pretty clear that that's what happened. Then Congress, you know, to appease the public, writes this law saying in 2017, we'll go ahead and release the files. Now, first of all, if Oswald killed Kennedy, and it's so obvious, they would release the files the mm -hmm. next day, right? Why would they have to be sealed to 1999? Why would they have to be sealed to 2017? It makes no sense. And then the law, which is completely lame and useless, says the following. We will for certain release the files in 2017 unless at that time we decide not to. I mean, why even pass such a law? That's what the law says. And, of course, Trump, they must have had some dirt on him. He was told not to release this information. The dead man's you know, nephew, Bobby Kennedy Jr., he knows more about this than anybody. He's 100% certain that the CIA killed his uncle the president of the United States because he was going to get rid of corruption and clean house. And even the founder of the CIA, which was Truman, founded it in 1947, said it was the biggest mistake of his entire career, that they are an entity uh, above the law that are accountable to nobody. I mean, they admit, I mean, it's published in newspapers that they overthrow independent governments around the world that are democratically elected. They admit it, and nobody realizes that that's illegal. Only yeah. Congress is allowed to do an act of war. And then William Benny worked for the NSA for 30 years. He goes on national television and says, oh, by the way, 
We spy on the private cell phone conversations of Supreme Court justices to collect financial (laughs) and sexual dirt on them so that we can blackmail them into voting the way that we tell them. That's an established fact. Supreme Court justices are being blackmailed. Not a single investigation. Oh, but that guy from the Democratic Party leaks out that Sanders is getting more votes than Clinton, but Clinton is getting, getting more delegates anyway, that it's all planned that way. Oh, the FBI investigates not that fraud within the Democratic Party. They do an investigation. Well, how dare you leak out that information of corruption? <laughs> I mean, it boggles the mind. No investigation into the undisputed fact that the NSA is blackmailing Supreme Court justices. No one does anything about it. It's, it boggles the mind. And yeah. I, I guess this is why they have everybody, you know, watching, I don't know, what is it, about 100 hours of television a month and uh, distracted with football or whatever else, and who knows, other things, so that uh, people don't protest like they should. And then, of course, there's no media that's independent. Kennedy said it was a safeguard to democracy. That's why there's censorship. Mm. Uh, But, but, okay, so uh, during this sort of early to, I don't know, late 60s phase, while this was all going on, and that timeline was getting tighter and tighter. What was happening over in the Soviet Union? Well, the Soviets launched the first satellite, the first animal, the first man, the first woman, the first crew of three, the first spacewalk, the first of two spacecraft simultaneously. For every 10 hours we spent in space, they spent 50 hours. Five times the experience, every single space milestone was done by them first, every single one, except going to the moon. You would think that if you have one athlete who can run a mile in four minutes and another athlete who can run a mile in 30 seconds, that there would be no way really for the four-minute mile person to ever, ever catch up to the 30-second person. It would just be impossible. So how could they even you know, leap so far ahead when they had worse technology proven by the fact that the Soviets had better technology by being able to do all those milestones first. If anybody was going to walk on the moon first, it would have been the Soviets, and they never did. China even teaches in their curriculum and public schools that the moon landings are fake. Now, they keep their mouth shut. No other country has exposed it simply because they have these trade agreements not to do it. We have uh, knowledge of skeletons in their closet, and likewise, we have skeletons that they know about. And we're doing trade, I don't know how many trillions of dollars a year with China. They're not going to ruin their trading partner. And then the CIA and their affiliates like Trudeau in Canada, I mean, he was asked, what's your favorite country in the world? And the Bible says from out of the heart, the mouth can just not help but speak. And he said, oh, I love China, because being a dictatorship, they're able to you know, do what they want quickly without all this voting and protests. I just hate that. He says that on national TV. So the, the idea that China is our enemy, uh, they're not. They may be a competitor, but they're not an enemy. And the CIA just loves China. They're envious of China. And so they're cooperating. And all these other countries, the Soviets, they know it's fake. The Israelis know it's fake. The Japanese know it's fake. And I'm sure the people in the European Space Agency know it's fake. Elon Musk knows that it's fake. I know for a fact he's read my book. He knows very well 
they didn't go to the moon, but he wants NASA's cooperation to do his little projects and goals. And you really can't blame the guy for just not talking about that so that he can get NASA's cooperation. He has actually said, hasn't he, that um, going to the moon is pointless and he wants to go to Mars. Well, if the moon landings are real, it would be pointless. I mean, one of the interesting mm -hmm. things uh, George Bush Jr. said uh, when he was president is, number one, he says, before we you know, go to the moon, uh, we're going to have to learn how to protect astronauts from lethal space radiation, meaning they haven't figured that out yet. So how did they go to the moon again? Through that radiation? And then no, he no, said no. Going, going to the moon is a logical first step before going to Mars. So if you went to the moon six times, why would you go from a bicycle back to a tricycle? I mean, mm. wouldn't you know everything you needed to know? And like I said, if they could go to the moon on the first attempt with one million the computing power of a cell phone, they would have been on Mars all, 10 years later and in another solar system by now, and there'd be bases all over the moon. There are bases at the South Pole right now. And why? Because it's humanly possible. Now, at the South Pole, it's 100 degrees below zero. It's 100 mile per hour winds. It's hard, but it can be done, therefore it is done. If it could be done to go to the moon, there would be bases there. The fact that there's not is simply proof that it cannot be done. Did they go to the South Pole the first time they tried? That's here on Earth. It's, it's so much easier to, you know, to get a ship and take a sled and go to the South Pole. I mean, how difficult can that be other than, you know, the cold temperatures and the wind? They didn't do that the first time. They didn't do that the second time. They didn't do that the third time. They killed the first three crews. The fourth time they tried, they made it to the South Pole. So seeing how there is never in the history of the entire, you know, development of airplanes and spacecraft, there's never been an airplane and aerodynamically that got off the ground on the first attempt, not a single time. What about those laser reflectors that they keep using as uh, evidence? Well, it's not evidence at all. It's silly that they claim that as evidence. There's a journal called the Scientific American that said in the late 50s they were already bouncing lasers off the surface of the moon because it's so reflective. So what they cleverly did is they chose landing sites that had reflective surfaces to claim that they had mirrors there. And the Soviets put an unmanned probe on the moon with laser reflectors. So it's no proof that anybody was there. Yeah, just to go back to the Soviets. Um, so they were far ahead of the U.S. in the in this in the space race, but they also couldn't get to the moon. That's right, and they can't get to the moon today. China can't get to the moon today. Kennedy said, "Let's go to the moon at, by the end of the decade." And with, sorry, with with people though. Right, that's what I'm talking about. So if right. if Kennedy set a goal in the 1960s that was met in eight years, right, then how could uh, China, with 50 years more te technological development, and they're actually the most industrialized nation on Earth, they said it's going to take, with five decades better technology, 15 years before they can figure out how to put a man on the moon. So with five decades older technology, it took eight years. And with 50 years better technology, it's going to take 100% more time, 15 years. Does that make sense to anybody? No, it doesn't. So on the day of the launch, a rocket went up, didn't it? 
and there sure. was and there was the Apollo uh, eleven. I beg your pardon. That was on it, right? Uh, that was on top of it. There were astronauts in there. I'm guessing. What actually happened that day? Well, according to Bill Casey, who worked there, uh, they didn't use even the proper engines in there because it wasn't going to the moon. They just wanted to put on a good show. And uh, they were on the rocket, and that way they could be you know, seen going up. They could get the real zero-gravity footage uh, from Earth orbit of the tuna sandwich floating by. And then they could splash down in front of witnesses. But the tape that we uncovered is the crew of Apollo 11 faking being halfway to the moon. They basically created a one-foot model uh, of the Earth from the spacecraft and faked out the live TV camera that it was the Earth floating in space. We have the unedited version. It says, do not show to the public at the top of the reel. And it's the CIA prompting them how to do it. One of the interesting things is because they're only 250 miles above the Earth, if NASA says, how's it going? And Neil Armstrong says, great, right away, it'll give away the fact that he's close to the Earth because there should be at least a four second delay for the radio signal to go out halfway to the moon and come back. And so he had an earpiece in that was accidentally recorded on this classified tape where NASA asked him the question, exactly four seconds of dead air goes by. We hear a third track of audio say, talk. And then Neil Armstrong starts speaking. He is being prompted to not answer until a fake four second delay goes by to create this impression that he's far away from the Earth than, than he really was. So if they're faking being halfway to the moon, it means they can't go halfway. And what a surprise. So, 50 years later, they still cannot leave Earth orbit, just so like what, the crews back then. <laughs> so what happened was they launched, basically just went into orbit and came back. That's right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Buzz Aldrin admits this. And my follow-up film, Astronauts Gone Wild, which you can see for free at sabrell.com, he says so. When I set him down, Uh, and we had two cameras, and we had a monitor, and I showed him this fake footage of them pretending to be halfway to the moon with a one-foot model. The first thing he says is, oh, and this makes you a famous person for having discovered this. Well, if I'm wrong, how could I become famous for discovering it? And then secondly, he says, well, why don't you talk to NASA? We were just passengers. I thought they piloted a vehicle down to the surface. A pilot and a passenger, a little bit different, but they were passengers. They just went up and orbited the Earth, and NASA brought them back down. So he admitted twice that I was right. And when he realized that, he threatened me, if you show my remarks, admitting that the moon missions are fake twice, mm. you'll sue me. You know, I'm like, give me a break. Without getting too technical, uh, because I, I simply don't understand the extreme engineering, but was was the technology simply not good enough on the day of the launch to get to the moon? Well, it's not good enough to this day. We have a clip of Kelly Smith from NASA acknowledging something that most people don't know, that about a 1,000 miles above the Earth and extending a thickness of 30,000 miles is a field of deadly radiation called the Van Allen Radiation Belt. In a clip that he made in 2014, he says, first of all, the radiation belt is dangerous. And secondly, the technology for an astronaut to survive going through it has yet to be invented. So they knew all along they couldn't go to the moon. They had the equipment to go into Earth orbit. So they just went into Earth orbit and faked the rest. I mean, what I would do if I was faking it, let's say they could land on the moon, but the spacesuits didn't work. I would land and fake everything else so that you'd have real footage 
as far as possible. Let's say they could orbit the moon but couldn't land. Then I would show real footage up to orbiting the moon and then fake the landing and the walk. But what we have is them faking leaving Earth orbit, which means they can't leave Earth orbit. And here we are 50 years later, no nation on Earth can leave Earth orbit. So if the atomic bomb was a thousand times more powerful just 10 years later, then imagine if they could go to the moon on the first attempt with 1960s technology, how far advanced space travel really should be. And so it's not. Technology cannot be a thousand times more advanced in 1969 than it is today. That's a mathematical impossibility. And yet people still want to believe that they're real. I even talked to a professor at an aerospace department at a major university, and he said, Bart, there's nothing you could say that will make me believe the moon landings are fake. And I said, well, what if you saw Buzz Aldrin on national TV tearfully admitting that the moon missions were fake and apologizing? And he said, I'd still think they went. Whew, that is far gone. I mean, come on. You're going to think that, that what you saw from your living room chair on television is more valid of a testimony than a guy who was on the mission? That's And he's teaching university. And that's how backward his mind is and how brainwashed he is and how closed-minded he is. And that's the best our universities have. That is pretty sad. And that's why they call it university, to think universal, to think the same. Mm. In fact, Pittsburgh University uh, invited me to give a lecture and a screening of a funny thing happened on the way to the moon, and the university forbid it. It was their private <laughs> club, one of those. Yeah, one of their private student mm. clubs, uh, you know, had their own budget, was going to hire me, fly me out there, pay me a fee, and the university forbid it. I asked my doctor a few years ago, uh, because I started reading natural news, I'm like, uh, what do you know about natural medicine? And she looked at me like I said, uh, do you speak Martian? And she said the following virtually word for word. All I know is what they taught me at university, which is to give this pill for this illness. Yeah. You think you could learn that in about two days, right? <laughs> so anyway, that's the world that we live in. That's why there's so much censorship. That's why 75% uh, of the people who enter college uh, believing in God leave college not believing in God. In fact, in mm. only one year. Because that's what they program you to do. They want people to not believe in God so that they'll set up, you know, and, and, and eventually become corrupt just like they are. When the big announcement was made that the astronauts had safety returned, I remember seeing that, that footage. And it wasn't, the announcement wasn't made by any of the astronauts. I, I forget now who it was. It might have been the president. I, I forget. But they were, the astronauts were sitting and not one of them was smiling. Well, yeah, you're talking about the initial press conference, which I yes. show a, a fair clip of and a funny thing happened on the way to the moon. Yeah, I mean, to me, uh, the proof that they didn't go is that uncovered footage. That's, I gave them the benefit of the doubt, Jeremy, as long as possible. I had mm -hmm. people who were there saying it was fake. I had military people telling me it was fake. And I still said, well, I, I, I want proof. And when I pop in the tape that says don't show to the public and they're faking a shot of the moon mission over and over and over again with the CIA telling them how to do it, I'm like, oh, my gosh, they really didn't go to the moon. This is the world I live in. So four out of five people who previously thought that the moon missions were fake, I'm sorry, real, 
when they watch a funny thing happen on the way to the moon, four out of five reverse their opinion. And four out of five of those people say it's this, you know, footage that we uncovered of fake photography. But one out of five, 20% say what you said. The thing that convinced them is the expressions of the mm -hmm. astronauts at their press conference. Instead of looking like victors in the winning locker room of the Super Bowl, where you couldn't wipe a smile off their face, they're looking down, they're depressed, they look like they're at the funeral of their mother. It's completely inconsistent with really yeah. walking on the moon. And, and there's then, been... Go ahead. No, no, sorry, I interrupted. Please go on. Well, I was saying, and there's people who have analyzed my interviews in Astronauts Gone Wild and other interviews that the astronauts have given, and they're 100% certain that these people are lying from body language and from mm -hmm. the words that they use, third person when it should be themselves and so forth, that they absolutely are convinced from an analytical point of view of just the way that they speak and what they say, that yeah. that's exactly what someone who lies does. And so what I was going to ask you when I interrupted was they didn't do very many interviews after that. Yeah, that's one of the first things I noticed. Uh, when I started investigating it, I said, mm -hmm. you know, with the evidence so far, there's at least a one out of four chance, in my opinion, they didn't go. And um, yet these things that we, I'm sorry, what was your question? Remind me, because I. Um, no, I was just saying that they didn't do many interviews. Uh, oh, after. right. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So that was one of the things that, that kind of made me suspicious and put them in the at least one out of four chance. Not only did the shadows intersect, not only did the administrator of NASA resign days before the first mission, when you think he'd want to be at the helm of that, two of the three astronauts on the first mission, you know, don't give any interviews unless it's some anniversary occasion. And I find that very odd. And then, of course, the one who blabs about it all the time, Buzz Aldrin, uh, has had you know, emotional problems and alcohol problems, I believe, from the stress of lying about it. And what can you do? I mean, if I walked on the yeah. moon and someone thought otherwise, I would find that hysterically funny. And if someone, if I walked on the moon and someone said, so we're on the Bible, I'd say, sure, are you okay? But, you know, so saying, I, you know, that someone didn't walk on the moon when they really did would be like throwing a feather at them. So when I approached Buzz Aldrin and asked him, who swore on the Bible and called him a liar, coward, and a thief, he acted instead like I was uh, coming up to him in the company of his wife and saying, oh, your mistress, she says hello. He's like, oh, how dare you reveal that? So again, his anger, you know, uh, a sword without a point causes no pain. So if he walked on the moon and, and you know, I'm saying he didn't, I'm just some silly person, why would mm -hmm. that offend him? But in fact, I'm exposing his fraud on national TV, and that's what makes him angry. And the reason I called him a coward is because he loves vanity more than doing what is right. He is afraid to look bad in front of the world, which is how he thinks he would look if he came forward, when in fact the exact opposite is true. He would become my new hero, like he was originally when I thought that the moon missions were real. If he came forward, admitted his fraud, admitted his regret, he, he would be a national hero in my mind. Mm. And yet he's not doing it for fear that his national hero status will somehow be diminished. He's cowardly because he loves his vanity and his reputation more than the truth, more than doing what is right. One of the funniest moments is uh, watching Nixon phone the moon. Uh, it's still, for me, hilarious. 
Yeah, it's pretty funny. I mean, I get emails saying they, their cell phone won't work, you know, 10 miles out of town. And now they're talking on this on the on the phone to people, you know, on the moon. Uh, but in any case, uh, you know, funny thing uh, happened on the way to the moon opens up with scripture. Yes. And says uh, where there is pride, mm. then comes disgrace or pride comes before a fall. And then it shows um, uh, the Tower of Babel. Now, the Bible says in Genesis 6 that the only reason why they were making this tall building was to boast, look what we can do to the neighboring nation. And, of course, it was never finished. Then we show a publicity, a publication about the Titanic, the largest machine ever built by the hand of man. And it said, it's so darn good, God himself could not sink it. Mm, We know what happened there. And then Tricky Dick Nixon, when he knew they weren't there, said putting a man on the moon was the greatest event since creation. And Jeremy, when I first started looking into this and realized there was at least a one out of four chance they didn't go, I turned down the project. I'm like, I'm not going to, this could be dangerous on turning these rocks. Not going to do it. And then years later, when I started reading the Bible and realized that I'm going to die anyway, and there is a right or a wrong, I changed my mind because it just has this spiritual smell to it that, this represents something. It represents the, you know, the fallen character of mankind, that our greatest accomplishment, the greatest accomplishment of mankind is putting a man on the moon. And how ironic that the tower to boast that, that it's the tallest was never finished, that the ship that God himself could not sink, God sunk. And when Nixon says it's the greatest event since creation, the mankind's greatest achievement, likewise, like the Titanic, like the Tower of Babel, never was done. And yeah. so, it's an interesting I, parallel that you're making. Sorry, I'm interrupting, but mm-hmm. there, is, there is something very interesting about that sense of pride that they they didn't simply want to say, "Guys, it's just not going to happen." Yeah, that's probably the number one reason. There's probably multiple mm. uh, benefits to the criminals who faked it. Uh, the first is pride, I think. They didn't want to admit that they had bitten off more than we could chew. We were, we were going to look like fools. So they faked it. But then there was also the Vietnam War going on. And Nixon said the greatest threat to the United States isn't China, isn't Russia. It's those darn people protesting against the Vietnam War. He considered his own citizens his greatest threat. So he threw them a bone, a pep rally, something to cheer about. And they knew they they would succeed. I mean, when you fake the mission, you have a 100% guarantee it's going to be successful. How about that? And so that's a little riddle in the code name. You'll have to read the book. But the code name has something to do with that, that it had to do with, you know, 100% guaranteeing the mission would be successful because they were faking it. So they could absolutely guarantee it was going to work. Uh, Now, whether or not they would get caught is another issue. No, No one knew whether they, it would be exposed or not. They were hoping, you know, that it would not come out. And that's why Johnson didn't run for re-election when he was eligible. He served less than a, you know, a full term when Kennedy was killed. So the first term didn't count as one of the two terms. Then when he was re-elected in 1964, that was his first term. And in 1968, for some strange reason, he says, I'm, I'm not going to run for re-election. And I think that's only happened once before in the entire history of America. The Democratic Party said, we're going to nominate you anyway. And he says, I will not accept it because he knew they were about to fake the moon landing. 
And who knew that would work? Imagine being from Texas, where half of NASA is located, and the truth coming out while you're president. What an embarrassment. Didn't want to have anything to do with it. And then poor old Nixon doesn't even show up for the first launch or the second launch. He shows up for like the fourth launch after they got away with faking the moon mission. Then he shows up. I mean, don't you think if you're president of the United States and the whole world is watching that you would be there at the first launch to go to the moon? But he knew they weren't going. And if it was exposed, there would be pictures for all time of him smiling and shaking the hands of the astronauts when he knew they weren't going to the moon. So he waited, played it safe, make sure they got away with it a couple of times. Then all of a sudden he pops in. You know, it's unbelievable. The book reveals that one of you know one of the 15 people on this list of eyewitnesses who were there at the faking of the moon landing in 1968 was President Johnson himself. He was there for the first three days of filming. My source stood beside him and they both watched the fake filming together. That's pretty remarkable, isn't it? <laughs> well, the whole thing is remarkable. Uh, <laughs> yeah, what's remarkable about it? is that this is mankind. This mm. is our government. That's the most remarkable thing about it. And, and it just broke my heart when I finally saw the tape and finally realized they didn't go. It just broke my heart. This is the world I live in. This but, is the government I'm a part of, is that they're just so corrupt. They did this terrible and really juvenile mm. thing of faking the moon landing. It's really juvenile. Because they should just yeah. tell the truth. We can't do it. Maybe in a few years, maybe we'll cooperate with the Soviets for, you know, peace. And maybe we'll try it together. Uh, maybe it'll be easier together than, you know, trying it solo. Mm -hmm. But they faked it. They're kids. The people who run our government are just spoiled brat, criminal, and really gangsters. Because they murder yeah. people who get in their way over and over again. I know that you get this question a lot. Um, but the elephant in the room is, how do you keep such a big secret well i mean they they say you can't keep a secret from so many people and that proves that it's real i mean you don't have to think one step further i mean do you really think the cia is so stupid to tell the guy making the glove and the door and the boot hey we're really not going to the moon don't tell anybody <laughs> i mean come on that's like saying what the ceo of a bank knows about the corruption in the company is the same as what a teller knows i mean I think what's his name? Alex Jones says, well, I know the moon landings are, are, are uh, real because my uncle was there. You know, it was one of the 100,000 people making the door or the glove or whatever, and he would know. Well, that's like saying my uncle sold popcorn, you know, in the stands at the Super Bowl, and that's proof that the they didn't cheat to win. No, it doesn't have anything to do with it. So, I mean, it it doesn't prove anything because there's no independent press coverage. I mean... It's just a TV picture controlled by the government. There's no you know, reporters taking pictures on the moon to prove that they're there. No independent verification at all. And it's just a black and white TV picture. They didn't even show live pictures during the landing. They showed animation. It said so on the bottom of the screen. And then all of a sudden the camera comes on and it, it's the quality of if I shot it in my backyard at night with a spotlight, it look about the same. And that convinced everybody that they're on the moon. So it's actually very easy to affect the moon missions. I mean, John McNamara admitted recently that the Gulf of Tonkin incident, which is what the CIA and the military industrial complex used to justify America entering the Vietnam War, which led to the death of a million people, that they just made that up. 
to get the public support and congressional support. So I think if they're willing to falsify something that led to the death of a million people, I think they're willing to fake a TV picture, don't you think? Well, uh, without going off topic, it's fairly easy to fake a viral outbreak, but we won't go down that road. <laughs> yeah. <I> mean, <laughs> well, I mean, and that's the point I, I kind of hint at in my book. Look, mm. these people are at large. They killed Kennedy. They faked the moon landing. They did 9-11, and they've done a little scenario uh, for the last two years that experts in the field say is not genuine. Mm. All done so to trick people into getting medicine for an illness that they don't even have. I mean, would you yeah. take chemotherapy to prevent cancer? I mean, every medicine, even aspirin, has a warning label. And if you buy prescription medicine... If you have a magnifying glass and you want to unfold that three-foot-long piece of paper and get out a magnifying glass, there's a whole list of side effects. So what that means is don't take medicine unless you're sick, right? Because it might backfire. So to take medicine to prevent an illness is like taking chemotherapy to prevent cancer. You know, what can you do? Um, I, mean, I want to just quickly circle back to the, the filming of it. Uh, you didn't you didn't spend too much time on that. I just want to clarify what happened. So a year before, they filmed the entire landing. Is that right? Well, yeah. Uh, my source gave us the, not only the uh, location where it was filmed, the CIA code name, and a list of fifteen people who are eyewitnesses of it. Uh, he gave us the dates, and it was filmed in June of nineteen sixty eight. They they knew they couldn't go to the moon probably in nineteen sixty five. And at one time, I had a, a document from the Kennedy administration that was all, already talking about the potentiality of faking the moon mission. That doesn't mean Kennedy approved it or mm -hmm. came up with the idea, because the CIA told him, hey, why don't we bomb Americans in Florida and blame it on the Cubans so we can invade Cuba? I mean, just suggesting such a thing should cause the abolishing of the CIA. The CIA is suggesting that we kill citizens and blame it on another country? Just a suggestion alone should have shut down the CIA permanently. So they were back then suggesting it. And uh, at some point, they decided to tell the astronauts. We know it was after uh, January 27, 1967, because Gus Grissom didn't know anything about it. Otherwise, he would have told the media, just like he did with that press conference telling the media the rocket's a lemon. So, so at some point, they, they told them because... Two of the 15 people on that list were Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin. They were there. They're on the list. My eyewitness, I witnessed them being there. And so at least by that, you know, June 1968, they had informed the astronauts. And they had a whole year or more to fake it. And it's really not that difficult. All they had was a TV picture. People already believed it. The public, the crystal clear photographs didn't come out until almost a month later. In National Geographic and, you know, a week or, or so later in Life magazine after people already accepted they were on the moon. So that means they're not looking at the pictures critically. Speaking of the pictures, I mean, there are those famous photographs that were taken supposedly from the moon. What, what well, was that, yeah. what was, yeah, what was that about? I just, I just showed you, you know, a picture that they claim was from the moon where the shadows intersect at 90 degrees from objects five feet apart. No, it's sorry, 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 sorry. I meant, I meant, sorry, I meant, yeah, I meant the photo of Earth, looking back at Earth, not on the moon itself. Well, um, they, they could be taken with an unmanned probe. I mean, you right. could send 
a probe through the radiation uh, because there's no person on it. Just like you can x-ray a toaster a thousand times and it'll still make toast. X-ray a human a thousand times, you're going to have a different problem. So yeah, they can send probes to Mars and Jupiter if they want to. They might not even be doing that. That might be too expensive. They might just be, be pretending to do that and sucking even more money out of the taxpayers. I mean, gangsters have a fried chicken restaurant that's just a front to run gambling and prostitution out of the back. That's what NASA is. It's a front to funnel money into these projects that the government and the Congress would not approve. I know this is not quite within the parameters of this conversation, but do you think those buggies, those little vehicles went to Mars? Well, the, the pictures from the 70s uh, look fake to me, uh, the early probes to Mars. Mm. In fact, uh, there was one documentary I saw on TV maybe 10 years ago, and it was of a telescope somewhere in Hawaii, and the person you know, pointed out, hey, isn't this odd? The uh, you know, landscape on the top of this volcano looks just like those Mars pictures. Yeah, I wonder who else got that idea. And then, I'm sure you've seen them, they've done satellite comparison with what pictures they claim are on Mars, and they match up exactly with locations in Greenland. You know, they faked the moon landing. They haven't come forward about it. So, yeah, NASA is not to be trusted, obviously. <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's a paradigm shift, isn't it? Because everybody will say, but I saw it on TV. Yeah, I know. It's amazing. I know it was real because I saw it on TV. Some people even told me, Jeremy, well, I was there because I was watching it on TV. <laughs> You know, <laughs> there were even people when when Gilligan's Island was on the air, they would write the Coast Guard and said, when are you going to get those people off that island? You know, <laughs> and then when, when the Honeymooners was on the air, they're like sending checks to CBS saying we want, you know, there was there was an episode about how she needed money for curtains. Here's five dollars to go toward her buying curtains. So that's you know, about all I've got to say and time to say. No. <laughs> and, uh, Bart, it is it's, what it is, and if people want to learn more, they can go to Sabrell, S as in Sam, I, B as in boy, R-E-L, Sabrell.com, and get the book. It's an audio book, which I read. It's a Kindle, and it's a print, and there are 15 interactive video links, and you can uh, see those. There's also autographed copies of the book, and the uh, DVD is available for a limited time. Bart Sabrell, thank you for joining me in the trenches. Sure, Jeremy. Take care, and uh, welcome to the club of awake people <laughs> don't go anywhere my name is germ this is germ warfare the battle of if you enjoyed this podcast please visit supportgerm.com 